0: Well, good evening, Living Hope community, and thank you again for joining us. Um, Once again, as you heard me this afternoon, this evening, um, welcoming you, Deborah, welcome you, um, part of the worship team. Thank you so much for joining us again, and we trust that God will continue to bless you, continue to strengthen you, continue to um, meet your needs. And so we are so blessed and happy once again to bring God's word to you. And so blessed and happy that you're able to worship with us. Um, you know, uh, when I listened to the worship team there, I felt like, man, it, it finished so fast. Um, <laughs> and it's like, I got to come up right away and preach. So I hope that these ladies are going to spend some more time, you know, giving up worshiping and giving us a little bit more um, songs and, uh, that we can really rejoice and, and worship the Lord. But all said and done, God is good. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn with me to Acts chapter 6. Last week we completed Acts chapter 5. We're now jumping right into Acts chapter 6, reading from verse 1 through 7. Um, very short reading this afternoon, and I trust that God will speak to, to your hearts and minister to each and every one of us in his own way. And wherever you are in your walk and in your relationship, I trust that the Lord will minister to you as well. So let us pray as we, uh, before, we, before I bring God's word to you. Father, once again, Lord, we want to acknowledge you, Lord. We want to acknowledge, God, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you are such an amazing and a wonderful God. You created all things, God. You made all things, God, to for your honor and for your glory. And Lord, we just want to thank you this evening, God, that we have this opportunity again to worship you. Lord, we have such a blessed opportunity to praise you. Oh God, to lift up our voice in adoration to you, our King and our God. And so this evening, Lord, I pray, God, that you will speak to us through your word once again, God, that you will open up our hearts and open up our ears and open up our understanding to receive your word. And God, I pray that you will remove the things, God, that you do not want to be there. The things that will hinder us. The things that the enemy will use, oh God, to to bring a hindrance to us to hear from you. And so I pray this evening, Lord God, that Lord, as we open our hearts, as we take time to listen, and we take time to really allow you to speak, God, that we will hear from you this evening. So we commit everything into your hands. Father, let not the words of my mouth, but but the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our salvation. And so we give thanks to you, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that you speak to us. Speak to your people, O God, as we surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summons the full member of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give, preaching, give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good re- refute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procorius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they said before the apostles that they And they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Isn't that amazing? This is God's word. And we give thanks to God for his word this evening. Um, Several weeks ago, we look how Satan used... Satan used Ananias and Sapphira to, to lie to God and to the Holy Spirit. We saw Ananias came in first and then Sapphira came in afterwards and both of them um, fell, um, lost their lives before God and God struck them down dead. Today we are going to look at another scheme planned by Satan, which is the spirit of murmuring or complaining and also i would like to title this message "A spirit of murmuring verse 1 of acts chapter 6 that we just read opens with these words now in these days in these days when the disciples when when the disciples not the apostles were increasing were increasing in numbers that is between chapter 5 and chapter 6 Between chapter 5 and chapter 6, we are not given the length of time that spans between these two chapters or the time, like I said, passed between them. But we know that the church, the people were added to the church daily. At this point in time, last week you heard me in chapter 5, that there were about 20,000 people already make up the the church. At this point in time, some commentators said there are about 25,000 people. Another 5,000 people by the span of going from one chapter to the next span that period of time people were just added to the church and what we do know is that disciples were increasing in numbers that's the record that doctor Luke gives us meaning more and more people were added to the church the growth of the church as we see over these past several weeks was a consistent theme we have seen over and over and over again beginning from acts chapter chapter 2 after the day of Pentecost, or on the day of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, which was promised to the church and to the believers, the disciples were empowered to speak the word of God with boldness, a boldness that they never had, a boldness that they never could experience, something that they have never experienced in their life, something that they could have never done before. And the Holy Spirit gave them such power now to stand firm in faith. And, and, and Deborah sang this song here, On Christ the solid rock I stand, All other ground is sinking, stand. Because that is the hope, that is the faith, that is the strength. They knew that there is nothing else and nothing better in their life. And Peter stood up on that day, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and preached his first sermon, and 3,000 people gave their life or repented of their sin, torn from their wicked ways and surrendered their life to Christ. And then we see how that movement continued, the growth of the church. Another 5,000 men give their life to Christ in Acts chapter 4, after preacher, Peter preached his second sermon. From after, the, after the healing of the layman, he had the opportunity to preach. And people were added to the church daily. That is the record we consistently have. By the time we were in chapter 5, it was a mega church, like I said, and now were over 25,000 brothers and sisters the early church already at that point in time from acts chapter 2 to acts chapter 5 already faced two waves of persecution and most of you have already heard those sermons and by the hands of religious leaders and those who wanted to put a stop to the name of jesus who wanted to silence the disciples not only did we see two waves of persecution But there was also an internal opposition. An internal opposition where Satan was now going to use Ananias and Sapphira to bring a division or to bring shame within the body of Christ. And Satan will not stop at anything, brothers and sisters. If he he fails to bring persecution externally, he will keep on trying and trying to raise up some sort of division within the body of Christ. And we saw that, like I said, with Ananias and Sapphira. And now Satan is going to use the spirit of murmuring or complaint to bring about a division or a discontentment within the body of Christ. That is the reason why you heard me many, many times. And I would say this over and over again. That as believers in Christ, we must guard our hearts against the attack of the enemy. We must be in that right relationship with God. We must not open our lives so that Satan can come in and attack not only the body of Christ, not only the church, but he will use men and women to bring division within the body. He tried it with Ananias and Sapphira and here again, we we are given another account where Satan is now going to try to infiltrate the church and bring division. The church at this time, where we are, was made up of several groups of people. Acts chapter 6 gives us that. The early Christian church was not only a Jewish church, was not only Jewish converts, but it's also made up of proselytes, people who, who move from one faith to the next or convert from one religion to the next. The church, like I said, at this point in time, were made up of several other groups of people people from jewish converts and, and 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 we are given the account in acts chapter 6 converts from grecian or hellenist the grecian known as the hellenist jews these were these were greek speaking jews jews who were converted who 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 were converted these were greek uh, sorry greek speaking jews also include were the he, he, hebrews from jerusalem those who followed the mosaic law and other such as the proselyte, like you heard me talk about it there just now, from Antioch. So the church was a mixture of body of believers. And then we, 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 we are given an account in Acts chapter 4 when we read how the believers were in one accord when we looked several weeks ago. They were selling their possession and sharing what they had with the poor so that there was, there was not a needy person among them. That was the heart, that was the passion of the early church. And, and, and it was made up of many, many different groups as they were selling their possession and giving it out to the poor. Their love for people and for the neighbors was not just... just was only to meet their spiritual needs and to see them come to faith in Jesus Christ. But also they were willing to walk alongside and meeting their physical need. That is why the church, their their possession were ready to give. They were ready to distribute to the poor and to the needy. We as believers, our hearts must reach out to the poor and to the disadvantaged among us, to our community. That was the heart of the early church, the early disciples. The church continued to care for those around because there's a, there was and is a greater need out there. Deuteronomy. They practice what Deuteronomy teaches. Deuteronomy chapter 10. And let me read it to you. Deuteronomy 10. The same is said. It says in, in Deuteronomy 10. And now, verse 12, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? What does God require of you but to fear the Lord your God and walk in all his ways? That is the first thing that was given to the children of Israel was to fear the Lord and to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That, was what they, that is the first and foremost things that we need to do. Moses came down from with these with the ten tablets, the tablets of stone, and, and that was the first thing the children of Israel were commissioned to do. And then Moses said in verse 18: He, he God, execute justice for the fatherless. The, the, the children of Israel were commanded to care for the fatherless, the widow. And to love, it says, hear what verse 18 says, God execute justice for the fatherless and the widow, and love the sojourners, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourners, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. There were no such program in place, brothers and sisters. Hear me out today. There were no such program in place to care for the needy, of the community in the early church, in, sorry, in, 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 in the days of the Romans. There was nothing, no social program, no government assistance. No one was caring for the widow no, or, or the underprivileged or the poor. It was the early Christian church that led the way when it comes to care for the poor, when it came for the caring for the widows and, and, and the underprivileged. It was the Christian church that set the example and lead the way to show that there is much more, than, much more than just believing in Jesus. Christianity is not only to know Jesus, brothers and sisters, but it's to walk by faith and to serve our community. Then in James, James, talk, James chapter 1 talks about what true religion is it. And let me read that to you in James chapter 1 just to, to remind us. James says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a doer, a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once again forget what he was like. But the one who look in the perfect law, the law of liberty and persevere, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And then James, James continue in verse 26. If anyone think that he is religious, And does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. But here James continues to say. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God. The father is this. This is what true Christianity is all about. This is what it means to love your neighbor. Here James said: To visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. As believers, that is our call. That is our mission. Now, I want you to imagine a church of 25,000 people. How do you care for the needs of everyone? And that was the challenge in the early church. The early Christians were busy leading, sorry, busy tending to the needs of everyone because it was the right thing to do. You heard me say they sell their possession and they were willing to give, but 25,000 people. You must miss someone. You must miss something. Everything is not going to be perfect or in order or everything is going to be done right. You see, the early believers, they were living their life out out to demonstrate what it truly means to be a Christian. They were doing everything that God has laid on their heart to do. They were doers of the word. They were not only following after the teaching of Christ, but they were willing to go out in the community and meet the needs of their community. And that is, that is the mission of Living Hope Community Church. That is one of our mission here at Living Hope Community Church. Living Hope Community Church mandate is expressed, brothers and sisters, in four words, to love, to grow, to teach, and to serve. As a community, as a community church, our passion is to transform the culture with the love of Jesus. And in one way that we do that is by serving. But what it means to serve, what it means to serve, to serve is to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We believe that community involvement and engagement is the heartbeat of God. We here at Living Hope Community Church believe that community involvement and engagement is the heartbeat of God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 35 to 36, he says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. He says, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I need clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked at me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. His disciples said, Lord, when did we do all such things? Jesus says, when you do it unto the poor, when you do it unto the needy, when you do it to people who are less fortunate. That was the heart cry of Jesus. And that should be also demanded of the church. And that is the reason why we stand for, for, for to do such thing as part of what we do here at Living Hope Community Church. Jesus called us to go into all the world and to make disciples to serve our community and the world at large. As we live our lives as his followers of Christ. As his followers, serving our community is the work of passionate disciples who knows the heartbeat of God and want to be in the hands and feet of Jesus. That is why at Living Hope community, we are passionate about partnering with other local support groups in reaching those that are in need. That is our heart, brothers and sisters. That is why I love the book of Acts, because it helps us to see the true meaning of the church. The early believers were excited about what God was doing, not only in their own lives, but in the lives of friends and neighbors and family. And most importantly, that they had an opportunity to serve. They had an opportunity to give back to their community. To work with the fatherless, to work with the widow, to work with the poor. They were willing to work with the needy and the less fortunate. They were willing to give back something to their community. And they were very passionate about it. However, however, in the midst of all the excitement of seeing more and more people added to the church daily, as their testimonies were pouring in, as testimonies were pouring in from, from all over neighboring villages and tongues of how God, Holy Spirit was healing and delivering people from all sicknesses and disease and bringing people faith as much as all those excitement and all the mighty thing that God was doing, Satan took hold of the smallest opportunity to bring about a division in the body of Christ. Satan will never stop at work, stop working. Satan took the goodness of the heart of these people and caused one group of people, one group of people to feel that their widows were not being cared for like the other widows. That is what he did. He looked at the situation and he says, I'm going to place in their hearts such a thing to bring a division among this group of people. And Satan started to plant a seed of discord or division in the hearts of the believers that were allowing their cultural background or their secular identity to come into question. They were were now starting to see themselves as us in the church. And we have that account in Acts chapter 6. You have the Hellenist Jew are complaining to the Hebrew Jew. They were now seeing themselves as us, us the Hellenists, and then the Hebrews, and them, and them, sorry. A spirit of murmuring began to surface. And even in the body of Christ, how many times do we see ourselves as indifferent? How many times do we see ourselves? I wanted to tell you something here this afternoon. The King James Version used the word murmuring, and the English Standard uses the word complaint. Now I, wanna, I, I like the word murmuring because when I look at the dictionary online or, or you can pick up any dictionary here is, the, here is the definition of the word murmuring it says a soft, low or indistinct song produced by a person or a group of people speaking quietly or at a distance I mean we all, we all been in places where we have seen we were all in places at some point in time in our life where we have seen people murmuring or complaining. Or even our children does that. They murmur and complain. So you know what I'm talking about. You know when the Bible when the Bible says that these people were murmuring, it means that they were, you know, you talk to them and they're just whispering something quietly in their heart, but they don't want you to hear what they are saying. And this is what was, was the enemy was stirring up in their hearts and the lives of the Hellenist Jew. You see, people who murmur and complain are people who you can never please. And they will, not all, and, and they will always find something to be at fault. They will always be not happy about the way certain things are done. So the sin of murmuring, can, the sin of murmuring and complain can wreak havoc within the body of Christ. And that is exactly what Satan wanted. And many of us find people in our life who are constant complainers. They murmur and grumble for any and everything. And they are never satisfied. And that is the spirit he did. He moved from Ananias and Sapphira until he come to these folks. And he was now going to plant such a seed of discord in their life. And here is a warning for us, brothers and sisters. Here is a warning in the midst of all that God is doing. In the midst of all that God is doing. And if you are part of that. We must never lose our guard against Satan attack. We must never one day drop our guard against Satan attack. Look how easily. Look how easily the Hellenist Jews started to use. Use the daily distribution of food as an issue. That their widows were being neglected. One group. Felt very badly that their group were not being treated right. But I believe, I believe that it was more than just catering for the needs of their own widows. What Satan was planted was something much more deep. Something that had a a deeper root. You see, the root of discord is, is far deeper. On the surface, it looks like the needs... Like the needs of one group was not happy with how things were done or how the food was distributed. But when you look closer, when you examine the situation closer and you look deep down, Satan was at work filling one group with the lies that this issue is about their identity. That is what Satan was doing. He was using food but the root of the situation was far greater. He was causing the Hellenist Jews to look at their identity because they were Greek-speaking Jews. It became an issue of race and ethnicity. Chetan was now putting into their hearts and their minds. And I want us to look around in our world today. What do you think is one of the biggest problems each community has to deal with? One race thinks that they are better than the other and one group of people think that they are better than the other. And Satan is not a fool, brothers and sisters. He knew, so he placed such a thought in the minds of the Hellenist Jews that they are less cared for. And he caused them to question not only question what the others were doing but question their own identity. And if he does that with you and me today, he will find a way to win. You see, Satan was now going to use their cultural background, the Hellenist cultural background, and their identity before Christ to now bring a division. Now, question how many times do we forget that we're Christians? How many times are we in places or in situations and we completely lose our, our, our composure or lose or, or forget who we are? Many times we will go in places or people will say things to us and many times people will respond as if you wonder if they are Christians. And that's because we have opened ourselves to allow those things to get to us. We have allowed the enemy to get to us. And I've been in places where I watch Christians behave and you question whether they're, the, the things that comes from their mouth or the things that comes out of their heart, you wonder where, where they, where, if they have thrown their Christianity out of the door. And this is exactly what he was going to do with, the, with one group of people in the church. And I want to say this this afternoon, in Christ we are one. No matter where you are, we have one identity one identity, we are all one in Christ. We are all God's children. Everyone who is born again is a child of God. We must never let the color of our hair, or our skin or our cultural background separate us from separate us or bring division within the church and within the body of Christ. We have one Lord, Paul says, one God, one baptism, one spirit. Yes, we are one in Christ. It has nothing to do with the color of our our skin. So let us not follow after the pattern of this world. I watch the news almost every day and all you can hear at times is this division between those who are vaccinated and those who are unvaccinated. When you look at the current situation, our world is divided, divided over race, divided over color, divided over sin, divided over, sick, divided over the rich and the poor. And the list goes on and on. In places like India, you have caste system. Some people are better than some. Some people are loved more than others when we as believers in christ we must not never allow these things to infiltrate our lives in christ we are one whether you're poor or rich you're black you're white you're green whatever color it is whether you come from one country or one nation or one tribe it doesn't matter we're all one in christ and the christian church we must not jump on either side of the division We must never jump and take sides when it comes to matters like that. Paul says we are neither bond nor free. We are neither Jew nor Gentiles. We are neither Greek nor barbarians. We are one in Christ. Whether you are vaccinated or not, brothers and sisters, the church of Jesus Christ must never lose his identity. No matter what the enemy will throw at us, we must never forget who we are in Christ. Satan will use every opportunity to bring about a division within the body. And we as believers must never fail, fall into the trap of of this deception. You see, the Hellenist Jews were Greek-speaking Jews, like I said. Jews of the diaspora, diaspora or the dispersion when the Jews were scattered. The, the, these Jews were born and raised outside of Israel. While the Hebrew Jews spoke some Greek and mostly Ar- Aramaic or Hebrew. That's, th- that was the difference between these two groups. One was completely G- Greek speaking and the other were, were, were Jews who spoke both Hebrew and, and, and Aramaic. And as you can see, the the Hellenist Jews must have felt like they were the outsiders or the outcasts of society because they were known as the the, 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 the diaspora or or, or the people that were dispersed and scattered. And this was the lie from the pit of hell. This was the lie that Satan was going to bring into the hearts of of, of these believers, causing causing their eyes to be blinded as to who they were in Christ. And we must never, never, never lose our identity or forget who we are in Christ. No matter what the enemy throws at you, no matter where you are and people challenge challenge you, you must never lose your identity in Christ. And Satan tried to use the same lie, the same spirit of murmuring like he did in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. He won in the, in the Old Testament. He won with the children of Israel, and here again, he's going to try it again. In Exodus 14, Exodus gives us an account of that. Exodus 14 of verse 8, you can also find that in Numbers. Hear exactly what, what the children of Israel did when it comes to murmuring and allow the sin of murmuring to infiltrate their lives. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. This is after God delivered them from, from, from Egypt's land. God is now taking them through the wilderness. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. God says he's going to give them bread from heaven. And it's going to come down and they will gather it every day. That I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day when they, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel. At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. Because he has heard. Here is this. God has heard your grumbling against him. God has heard your grumbling or your murmuring or your complaining against him. For what are we that you grumble or murmur against the Lord? And Moses says, when the Lord give you in in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to full, because the Lord has heard your murmuring and grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but is against the Lord. God hate grumbling. God hate murmuring. God hate complainers. And this is exactly what the children of Israel were doing. No matter how much God gave them, they were never pleased. They were never satisfied. And that is the same very thing Satan wanted to do now with the New Testament saints. He wanted to infiltrate the church with such such a sin so that he can can bring a division in the body of Christ. But God was not going to allow allow it. He was not going to allow it. 1 Corinthians, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 9 to 13, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpent. Remember the Old, uh, Old Testament, Paul is saying, we must never put Christ to the test as some of them did and God destroyed them by serpents. Here Paul says in verse 10, nor grumble, nor grumble, or murmur or complain as some, as, uh, as, some of, as some of them did. And were destroyed by the destroyer. God destroyed them for their murmuring and grumbling. Now these things happen, Paul says, to them as an example. As an example. But they were written down for our instructions. On whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stand take heed lest he fall. If you think that you stand Paul said take heed lest you fall. No temptation has of taken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation he will also provide a way of escape. That you may be able to bear it. And that is, this is the word of the Apostle Paul. That God is able to keep us, but we must never fall to the temptation. And never give in to those things. And that is the reason why many Christians sometimes fail to live a victorious Christian life. That is the reason why, because we constantly are giving in to things. When God doesn't do certain things in our life, we complain and we murmur. And we must never allow this sin of murmuring and complaining to enter into our lives. And if you are suffering from that, you need to come to the the Lord and ask Him for forgiveness. So that He can deliver you and set you free from such sin. The apostles saw the very attack of Satan and were not going to allow him to take for the whole on the issue. Satan wants. Satan won once and he would not get a second chance. The apostles, were, not, the apostles were, were, were filled at this point in time with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom. And immediately they called the church and they were willing to address the matter to, so, that they, so, that, so that at that point in time none of that sort of thing would continue within the body. And, and, and what they did was the wisest thing they formed the first deacon board to deal with the matter. The first deacon board to deal with the matter. Listen to Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 6 and verse 2. He It is not right that we hear the apostles. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. But what were they saying? Well, we're not going to do anything to serve them. No, no, it's not right that we give up preaching. We don't stop preaching the word. We don't stop doing what God has called us to do. The mandate is to preach and to teach. He says, no, we are not going to stop doing that, to serve tables. They were, they were not going to say that job is too, too, it's too minimal for us, or, or it's minder, or we're too big, or we're, we're, we're too high not to do that. No, 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 no. They're, so we're going to set up people. Therefore, brothers, pick, pick out from among you seven men of good. Refute. Full of the Spirit. He says here are the conditions. They must have a godly testimony. They must be men that you can follow. Men full of the Spirit. Men full of wisdom. And these are men that you can, can account for their lives. Because their life is like an open book before you. And, and you know their walk. You know their testimony. You know their passion. You know their heart. These are men of God. Whom we will appoint to this duty. This says we're going to take those men. And appoint them to serve the tables. To serve the community. To serve the body of Christ. But we will devote ourselves to prayer. And to the ministry of the word. So we will do that. We will do that. You see the church has a duty. To care for the needy and the poor. But the church must never lose sight. Of the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. When programs take precedence over preaching the church will will find itself into trouble in trouble when when programs take the precedence of preaching and teaching the church will find itself in trouble and that is the reason why leadership is important that is the reason why elders and deacons must be part of of a church organizational structure we need men and women to come alongside us. Men and women fill of the Spirit and full of wisdom. community church is a, is a young church. But we need men, faithful men of God to come alongside us and to walk with us to serve. And here verse 5 says, and when they had pleased the whole gathering, the people choose the people. The people choose the men, the seven men. And it pleased this hearing what the apostle preached so just please them and they chose seven men Hear who they chose they chose stephen a man full of faith and of the holy spirit and philip and Procorius and nicanor and timion and parmesan and parmenius and nicholas a proselyte of antioch look at the mixture of people these were not hebrew names these were greek names every one of these were greek names They choose men who are willing and passionate and full of the Holy Spirit to serve. The pastor alone can't do the work of the ministry. His job is to preach and to teach. But he needs people to come alongside him to do work. To serve community. And this is what the early apostles realized. They were not just picking Jewish men. No, the people picked men that were of good stature. And they set them before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them and hear what it says, and the word of God continued to increase. It continued to increase. look what happened immediately they put a stop to satan's plan. immediately they bring a, they put on they put a, they, they, they didn't just bandaid this situation they didn't just look at it no they immediately put men in place who can help serve in that area they had leadership in place people from all walks of life to represent different groups of people so that nothing of that sort will come against the church again no, no division of murmuring and complaining everyone had someone there to represent them and this is where we see the unity of the body of Christ this is how the church ought to function And look what was the outcome. And the word of God continued to increase. It didn't say decrease. The word of God continued to increase. When programs, when we put right people in the right place to do what God has called us to do, brothers and sisters, we are going to get things done. And the gospel will continue. People's lives are going to be saved. People's lives are going to be changed and transformed. And verse 7 says, And the number of disciples... And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and great many of priests. Look at that. Not only disciples, people were coming to faith, but even the priests from the temple were now being saved. Isn't that a mighty thing of God that is taking place? People of of religious stature and high power were now coming to faith in Jesus Christ. They were become, the, the Bible says they, that the priest became obedient to the faith. That means they surrendered their life to Christ. And if the apostles, if the apostles failed to preach the word of God and the word of Christ and, di- and diverted their attention in meeting the needs of each of the programs and the outcome would have been different. If we fail to preach God's word, if we fail to teach God's word, if we fail not to to minister what God has called us to do, brothers and sisters, and just focus on programs, we're not going to be able to do what God wants us to do. The mandate of the church is to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that is dying and to a world that is lost. Because the gospel is the power of God Unto salvation. It is the only thing that will bring men to faith. It's the only thing that will bring men to saving faith. Nothing else. It's not a program only will bring men to faith. God will use the preaching of the word always to to bring men to faith. Romans 10, Paul says, How are they going to hear without a preacher? How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they going to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? And how are they going to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, as it is written, brothers and sisters, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says the Lord who has believed. Lord who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. There is nowhere else faith will come. (coughs) And in closing the early church addressed the issue of the widow by coming up with a list of guidelines and I want to read that before we close and next week we're going to continue with, it, with the stoning of Stephen here is the list that the early church came up with <coughs> and, and if you want to follow me follow me in 1st Timothy chapter 5 and verse f- chapter 5 verse 3 to 16 these are, the, these are the guidelines for caring for the poor and the widow here, Paul, here what Timothy said honor widows who are truly widows honor widows who are truly widows verse 4 but if a widow if a widow has children or grandchildren let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents for this is pleasing in the sight of god she who is truly a widow let, uh, let all alone has set her hope on God and continues in supplication and prayer night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his household, he denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You gotta provide for those who are in your household. You've got to be able to meet the needs as believers in Christ. And verse 9, says, so let, let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children and has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, their desire to marry, Here Timothy says, and so incurred condemnation for having abandonment their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house and not only idlers but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. So I would have you So I would have the younger widows marry, bear children, manage their household, give the adversary and give no place to the adversary or occasion to suffer slander. For some has already started after Satan. You hear what he says? Some have already started after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. And that was happening in the the church. That they had to come up with guidelines on how to help widows within the community. So Satan was not going to stop. And he will never stop. But we as believers in Christ must be wise and trust God for wisdom to help us to be able to do what God has called us to do. We must never allow the programs to, to, to divert our attention from preaching the word of God and teaching it your God's people. So next week we will continue. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word tonight, God, that once again you have so reminded us, God, of the spirit of murmuring and complaining, God. And we know that it's a sin that truly brings division within the body of Christ. It's a sin that brings division within the home. It's a sin, oh God, that finds itself and find root, O oh God. That can destroy families and destroy homes and destroy relationships and destroy the body of Christ. And so I pray this afternoon, Lord, this evening, God, that you, you will touch the hearts and lives of men and women. God, those who, oh God, that uh, are struggling to deal with such a spirit, such a spirit. God, that you will heal them and you will bring them to faith. Oh God, you will cause them to surrender their lives to you. Lord, we give you thanks, God, that the church and leadership, Lord, that you have raised up men and women, oh God. That we can put deacons and elders in place. Men who can handle and, and, and be able to deal with those situations. God, because we still have an obligation to those that are in need. To the poor and to, the, to those that are in our community. But God, we also have an obligation, as we heard from your word today, to preach the gospel like the apostles, not to lose sight of what you have truly called us to do. And Lord, here today, we just want to give you praise and give you thanks. God, even here at Living Hope, we continue to pray that you will send men and women alongside us who are passionate, who are full of the Holy Spirit, men who want to serve, men who want to walk alongside, and to do, God, what you have called them to do. And so, God, we commit each and every one into your hands, those who are joining us each week, God, that you will continue to touch their lives, God. God, you'll continue to speak to them, Lord. And I pray, Lord, God, that you will minister to them, those who have a heart to serve, those who have a passion to serve. God, that will open up their heart, oh God, and allow you to use them for your honor and for your glory. And so we commit everything into your hands, and we ask, God, that you'll continue to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.